0: Hello and welcome to the Quietly Visible podcast. I'm your host Carol Stewart known as the coach for high achieving introverted women, women, author of Quietly Visible and founder of Abounding Solutions and this is the podcast for introverted women who want to thrive as leaders and in life and today we have a very interesting topic and I'm really pleased to be speaking to the guest that is on today because it's a topic that I know many introverted women find challenging. It's a topic I know a lot of women generally find challenging um, and the topic that we're going to be discussing is conflict and I have with me today Liz Kislik who is joining me from the US and Liz is a management consultant and executive coach and she's a frequent contributor to Harvard Business Review and Forbes. Her TEDx talk, Why There's So Much Conflict at Work and What You Can Do to Fix It, has received more than a quarter of a million views, so do check it out. She specializes in developing high-performing leaders and workforces. And for 30 years, she's helped family-run businesses, national nonprofits, and Fortune 500 companies like American Express, Girl Scouts, Staples, Janssen Pharmaceuticals and Highlights for Children solve Their Thorniest Problems. Her work has been featured in the Wall Street Journal's Morning Download, the Washington Post's Work Advice column, Business Insider, Bloomberg Business Week, as well as in Entrepreneur, the European Financial Review and The Forward. She's a member of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches Initiative, which brings together the world's top coaches and thinkers and she has taught at Hofstra University and New York University. So hello, Liz, and welcome. Thank you, Carol.
1: It's so wonderful to be with you.
0: It's great to have you here. And like I said, I'm really looking forward to our discussion on conflict because I know it is an area that many introverted women find challenging. So before we get into the meat of the discussion, um, just share us a little bit about, talk a little bit about your work and how you got into, to dealing with this topic.
1: I had a sort of odd track in my career. Uh, When I graduated from college, unlike most of my friends, I wanted to go into business as opposed to going to graduate school, because I felt like in the business world, you could make things happen. And that just seemed more exciting to me than continuing to study, even though I I love learning and education. And it just happened um, by luck, by coincidence. I worked for a small marketing agency privately held and because I was willing to work hard and was always looking for you know, new and interesting things to do. I got a promotion basically every six months because I just kept on taking on new duties. And so I was responsible for a 300 person call center when I was 23. Wow. And believe me, I learned about conflict there. <laughs> Can <well imagine>. um, <laughs> and I, it was um, the least favorite job I've ever had uh, because you could never have it all be right. There were always things going wrong. There was always conflict, Um, but I learned, you couldn't pay for for what I learned in that job. And um, I had a variety of roles in that organization. And then I left and started my consulting practice after I'd been there about eight years. And even that practice, which started out consulting in um, call center management, telemarketing, customer service, etc., cetera, migrated to focusing on all the organizational and leadership issues that are the reason that things go wrong in organizations because you know, when you're dealing with customers, sooner or later you can trace all customer problems back to something that's happening upstream in the organization. And when executives were willing to hear about that, we were then able to be sort of strategically involved in all those things. And um, so so that's how I got to sort of where I am today. It just kept migrating. And one of the things that has been true in my career is that when you are willing to address the truth, you often find yourself in the midst of conflict, but in some ways, it gives you the potential to cut through it, as opposed to just having it be the challenge that is true, not just for introverted women, but honestly, for most people. People are afraid of conflict generally. And thinking about how you can just deal with what the circumstances are that have caused the conflict sometimes gives you a path through. Mm.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned there that people are afraid of conflict um, generally. And,
1: and what's the reason for that? Do you think? I think there are two big buckets. One is nobody in general, you know, all these are all very generalized statements. Yeah, nobody wants nobody wants to be the bad guy. Nobody wants to be the mean one, the hammer, the person who has to say the negative thing, the person who makes other people feel bad. Most of us are nice people and we are afraid that people won't like us, that they won't want to work with us, won't collaborate well. will turn away from us. So that's one huge psychological fear. And that's true whether we're at work or any place else. And the other thing is we may be nice people, but we in general want to be successful people and we don't wanna lose. And the other thing about conflict is that we often think about it as a zero sum game and we have only two possibilities: we'll win it or we'll lose it. And the fear that we'll lose it is very strong.
0: Yes, that is interesting. So picking up on your first point, um, and that um, that people won't like us. So that's like a fear of rejection, isn't it? That's at the root of that, that um, we will be rejected.
1: Yes. Yes, the thing that's so funny about it is we fear we will not be liked for saying the tough thing. So both my children, when they were young, knew that um, I would say what I felt needed to be said. And I would often say things that other mothers wouldn't say. My daughter, who's my younger kid, Would call me the mean mommy. And I would agree. Um, And as she got a little older, you know, sometimes kids are in very tough social situations, and I would give her the out. I would say, Say your mother said, because, you know, all her friends knew me and they knew I would say. So, in some ways, being willing to say the hard thing, preferably without meanness. But the thing that is difficult enables people to actually rely on you and to have confidence that you will help deal with whatever the hard thing is. So there's this odd redemptive possibility as well, but it takes a while of facing conflict and being in it. And resolving them in ways that you can feel good about to see that. It's hard to see that at the beginning when you're mostly facing the fear of being disliked and the fear of loss.
0: Yeah. And and the word itself, conflict, that, that just sounds such an, an a negative word. It has such negative connotations as well, doesn't it? People think you're... of conflict, they're thinking of confrontation and um yeah, so that's quite it Yeah,
1: you're so right. And it's really a shame because how often do we have to say we have a scheduling conflict? Nobody's getting bloodied in that, (laughs) right? It's, it's annoying. And then you move things around and the conflict is resolved. Or, um, when people ask me about conflict and how terrible it is, I say, well, sometimes I disagree with myself. I want two things. Um, If I get one thing, I can't have another thing. There's nothing wrong with differences. Sometimes it's extremely valuable to bring those differences to the table and see if you can get the best of both of them. You know, it it doesn't have to be so painful. I think anything we call a conflict is something we're already afraid of. If we think we can work it out, we don't call it a conflict.
0: Yeah. And so, for you, so so before we sort of get into you know looking at what women can do to um manage conflict, so when in sort of, when you sort of think look back over your career and you you talked about particularly at the call center, you know there are lots of conflict um that was that was there. So how how did you feel when you sort of first? had to deal with a conflict or is it something that you've always been able to manage or did you have to learn how to develop the skills to manage it
1: actually I think you have named all the things that happened to me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) because um, I don't like conflict myself I'm actually conflict averse I don't want to fight with anybody (laughs) I just want things to be nice and smooth but I don't like it when things don't go well. And when I was managing that call center, I was too young and inexperienced to really be smooth enough about how to handle things. And so too often, as is typical, I would rely on what I'll call hierarchical power and sometimes just decide a conflict because I could, as opposed to listening deeply and taking all people's views into account as much as I should have. That took practice. Yeah,
0: and and what are the um, issues when someone does that rely on their hierarchical power to um, resolve conflict rather than, as you said, listening to people's perspectives?
1: often you're making a judgment without all the facts in the first place and in the second place you're often making a decision that works for the very short term based on the factors you know etc but you often are not learning enough about the situation holistically the other thing that happens very often and this I started to learn in that job and then learned much more in my consulting practice, is that when you are making that kind of hierarchical hierarchical decision, you are often making a judgment about the people who are involved, depending on how much you already trust them or don't, agree with them or don't, like their data or don't like their data. As opposed to looking at not just their views, but the structure, what's happening in the rest of the organization, or depending on what it's about, you know, what's happening in the external economy. What are the things that are norms in your organization that may not be attended to or explicitly noted as part of the conflict? but are actually reasons for the conflict. So if you were really paying attention to those things, you might agree with the person you don't like so much or don't normally agree with. Um, Seeing the broader picture helps you make a more reasoned, more complete judgment about what really needs to happen.
0: Yeah. And what are the consequences for leaders who lead in that way when it comes to um, dealing with conflict?
1: Uh, Do you mean who lead lead in the hierarchical way?
0: Yes. So what are the consequences for the organization and Ah, people?
1: Yeah. Um, You often get a lot of short term, often smaller decisions that work for now, but mean we come back to the conflict over and over and over, that the conflict itself persists through a set of decisions over time, because we haven't really looked at what's underneath the conflict and what the true sources of the conflict are.
0: Yeah, so they've not got to the root cause, they're just... um, Yeah. Correct, Mm -hmm. correct. And then on the other hand, what are the consequences for someone who, a leader that avoids dealing with conflict?
1: Very often the situation gets seriously worse. And then instead of dealing with small, reasonably sized conflicts, you're dealing with disasters. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're insidious kinds of disasters. Say you don't handle small problems up front. And over time, you have terrible employee attrition. Well, then you have a really big organizational problem on your hands because you have to hire, you have to train people, you have to get them down the learning curve. That's actually a lot of hidden cost.
0: Mm. Yeah, and, and I've, I've seen it often when a leader will, um, you know, there may be a particular in, individual for, you know, there there is a bit of a conflict with that individual, but by not addressing it and and dealing with that conflict, the impact it has on other people who are observing and see that there's this particular safe situation that is not being dealt with, it, it can cause them to lose trust and confidence in that leader.
1: That's absolutely true. And a couple of things can happen then sometimes they will skirt that leader altogether. When there are issues, they don't bring it to that leader because they know they won't get any kind of support or result, that sort of thing. And then that leader becomes sidetracked in some ways. Um, You may get more people trying to work things out themselves That can be a positive if they bring them back to the leader afterward. But in the long run, if that kind of trust is eroded, then not only do people not necessarily want to work with that leader, but the good ones leave the organization because they have other opportunities. And so then that leader may not have to face certain conflicts but they have other problems that
0: they need to address. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you, you don't deal with that. You lose, you lose the good stuff, the, the, you know, the people who see what's not being dealt with, they move on. So then you get a host of other issues that you have to deal with. Uh, And sometimes it's it's about stepping out of that comfort zone to deal with situations that you find uncomfortable.
1: Yes, it's so true. And on some level, one of the things I learned young, and I'm very grateful for it, you're going to have to pay anyway. You can pay as an investment, or you can pay in repair. But you're going to have to face the problem at some point. Otherwise, you're facing it all the time. So I like the idea of, okay, let's deal with the small stuff and then we can go on to higher order things um, and get some satisfaction from feeling you've actually dealt with things and improved them rather than just um, giving them a lick and a promise and, and pushing them down the road.
0: Yeah, and I love that what you said about you either have to pay an investment or you pay in repair. So either way, there are um, costs associated with whether or not you manage that conflict.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and to your other point, wouldn't you rather be the leader that others trust and come to?
0: Exactly, yeah. That's so true. So how do um, there's someone who um, avoids conflict because of the reasons that you've described? How do they go about dealing with a a conflict situation?
1: So rather than go through the kind of steps of here's how you deal with a conflict generally, which I do talk about in my TEDx, um, let me take more from the way you've structured some of the conversation and Say, how would you deal with yourself if you're conflict avoidant so that you could actually handle the conflict? And part of what I would do is go back to the things we were talking about before and think about why am I afraid of this? What do I think is actually going to happen? What are the ways in which I think my life is going to be ruined? And I know that sounds a little dramatic, But in fact, if you put it in those dramatic terms, first of all, often you recognize that your life is not going to be ruined. And and that's kind of reassuring. You know, Um, I won't die. I'll still have a job. Okay, I don't have to be that terrified. So now what is it I really am worried about? And then you can break that into its various chunks. Is it about the person who will be upset with you? Is it your fear of making the wrong decision? Is it that you don't really have the authority to do the kind of investment that's necessary to resolve the problem? What is it? And then you can work that as a business problem and look for ways to address that. And one of the things about introverts is that we are often very good at observation and analysis. And so if we actually apply these strong skills, then we can tease apart the bits of the problem we actually have to deal with and maybe make it not quite so scary because sometimes you don't have to deal with it as a tremendous problem, you can do bits of it. Like often the first stage in approaching a conflict is asking a lot of questions about why is it this way? Why do the opponents in the conflict think about it the way they do and actually learn more even though we think we already know what's going on?
0: And I think that's a great approach to it because uh, as you say, um, when it comes to dealing with conflict, people often imagine the worst possible outcome. They think the worst is going to happen. But as you said, that you know, when you look at it from a rational perspective. Nobody's going to die. Um, You're not going to die. The person's not going to die as a result of addressing the conflict. So I think that's a great way to approach it.
1: I think there's a psychological principle that may be useful here, um, which is that you have to give to get. And once you've looked at the whole situation and you recog- recognize that you're not in immediate danger, not only are you not going to die, you're not going to lose your job today. I can't promise you forever, but just from looking at this conflict, you're not going to lose your job. You may have a bad afternoon. Okay, that, that's possible. So if you look at that and then you think, what could I do? What could I ask? What could I say? What could I learn that would help me give something to the others in the conflict so that they would be more willing to hear my point of view, to understand the people I'm representing, to look at this set of issues they haven't looked at before, it's almost like, how do you buy yourself some time? How do you buy yourself some attention in the situation? Because what you really want to do is be be persuasive about your point of view. But first, you have to understand the others who are in it. I mean, we're seeing so much now, particularly um, here in the States. You know, we have all kinds of polarization and There are all kinds of discussions now about how to deal with differences. It's so helpful to know what other people really think. And then to work with that, as opposed to just the way they present themselves or whatever position they're taking. And so going into it in a kind of open-hearted, open-minded way and asking questions, you know, tell me all about this. I want to understand how it happened. And even if you've been in the same conflict for the last year and a half, you can say, you know, I've been thinking about this some more and I realize I don't fully understand X. You know, whatever your position is, why this is so important, doesn't even matter. And if you need more, as an introverted person and you feel like you need more of an explanation or staging, you can say, I heard this podcast. It seemed to me that I understood for the first time that I should be asking you more questions about this. Or you can say, I woke up in the middle of the night and you were on my mind and I realized I don't fully understand this thing you've been trying to tell me but I know you have more to say one of the other things about conflict Carol that is fascinating to me Mm -hmm. is until you're dead or fired you can almost always go back you can reopen
0: yes and that is so true that is so true and um you know in terms of what you've you've been saying about looking at what it is that there's the fear, the fear is looking at that, um, addressing that, breaking down what needs to be done. And and then, and I think breaking it down, identifying exactly what it is that needs to be done, li- speaking to the other person and listening to them um, is a great way to approach it. And, and one of the things as well is that introverts are typically known as being good listeners and people like to feel that they're being heard. So Utilize those listening strengths, I think.
1: I agree with that 100%. So often, a conflict is something that was a small difference of opinion, and somebody felt they were not heard or not taken seriously. And as introverts, we're often better at asking questions than making big statements we like to think before we speak, so we know how to hold still when somebody else is talking. We have real advantages in this.
0: We certainly do. And you know, that is something for those of you who are listening, utilize those advantages, utilize those strengths, utilize your, what, what I would call introverted superpowers when you're managing a conflict.
1: Yes, I'm nodding at you. I'm agreeing 100%. And if this conflict is with somebody you've worked with for a while, you can also say things like, I so appreciate your explaining that to me. Now, you know I like to go away and think before I respond. So I'm going to do that. And then let's talk about this again next week. Because I've really learned something. And then we'll see what the next thing is that we can do together to make this better. And then you can go away and think. You don't have to respond on the spot. And then when you're calm and you realize not only did you not die, but they actually talked to you. They didn't try to kill you. So that gives you a little more confidence. And then you can think more about, Okay, so is there anything I can give them from the things that they talked about that they said they wanted? And you may be able to go back and say, you know, I must move forward on this initiative that I've been tasked with, and I know it's going to be disruptive to you, and I'm sorry about that. So you can acknowledge the stuff they've told you and what you know they're feeling. Great. But Thanks. you said you were concerned about these other things and I can actually help with that. And so you're sharing somehow in their needs and their situation.
0: That sounds great. Thanks.
1: And so you have
0: a free ebook, How to Resolve Interpersonal Conflicts in the Workplace. How, how can people get hold of that? Uh,
1: so if um, anybody goes to my website, they can find um, the note for that on the home page and just click through, and they'll also have access to my blogs and my weekly newsletter. The ebook is specifically about the interpersonal dynamics of conflict, and it has a lot of specific examples of th- language you can use, um, which Many people find helpful because it's hard to come up with it yourself. It can be hard to sound balanced and interested and all those things. So, so there's a bunch of examples there that, that I hope will be helpful.
0: Yeah, it sounds like a great resource. And, and if you could just say um, your website name for the listeners. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you, Carol. It's www.lizkislick.com. And that's L I Z k-i-s as in sam l-i-k dot com great so thank
0: you so much Liz this has been a, a great conversation you shared some great tips about how people can deal with conflict what causes people to want to avoid it or not like it so I hope that listeners will really benefit from this I'm sure they will really benefit from this so thank you so much. It's been great having you on the podcast.
1: i would loved the conversation, Carol. Thank you. Great. Thank you. So
0: thank you for listening in everybody and do go to Liz's website and check out her free ebook, how to resolve interpersonal conflicts in the workplace um, put into practice what she has said and do connect with Liz on social media as well. And let her know that you've put into practice her tips and advice. And if you are wanting to increase your confidence, influence and impact, you can go to my website, aboundingsolutions.com. There's a free assessment on there that will enable you to identify areas that you need to develop, that you can work work on and develop. And if you're not a member of my high achieving introverted women community, then do find us on Facebook. High Achieving Introverted Women Facebook group, and on LinkedIn, the High Achieving Introverted Senior Women LinkedIn group. So until the next time, thank you for listening. Bye.